0: Hello, my name is Lauren Muse and I welcome you to my podcast, Warren Family Letters Home. I have a passion for history and genealogy, looking beyond just names and dates to who people were and where they were at certain points in time. In these podcasts, I share letters written by World War II soldiers and give insight as to their lives prior, during, and after the war, and telling the story of what the soldier may have been doing about the time he wrote the letter. It's my hope that someone will hear these podcasts and recognize family connections with one of the soldiers and contact me. These letters home belong home with descendants to cherish and show with pride. This week's letter was written by Army Chaplain, Lieutenant Colonel John H. Laughlin. This week's letter is filled with firsts for this podcast and brought me to learn more about the chaplains in the U.S. Army in World War II, as well as the U.S. involvement in Iran during World War II. John Howard Laughner Sr., who went by the name of Howard, was born November 20th, 1904 in Indianapolis, Indiana. He was the oldest child born to John Harmon and Rosabel Lofner, and his father was the president of the John H. Lofner Candy Company in Indianapolis. The candy stores were later taken over and operated as Laughlin cafeterias for a number of years. On the 1920 census, Howard was 16 years old and in school, and he was also working as a delivery boy for his father's company. In 1925, Howard was attending Whittenden College in Springfield, Ohio in the pre-ministry program when he married Miss Georgia Louise January, and in 1927, he graduated Hama Divinity School, which was also in Springfield, Ohio. In 1930 census, we find him as a minister for a Lutheran church in Springfield, Ohio, married to his wife, Georgia, and his son John, or Jack, is two years old. And in 1936, the couple and two children moved to Louisville, Kentucky, where Howard served as a minister at the Grace Lutheran Church for five years until being called up to active duty in the U.S. Army in June of 1941. On June 21, 1941, the Fort Worth Star reported that new chaplain at Walters. Chaplain John H. Loeffner has reported for duty at Camp Walters and has been attached to the 51st Infantry Division Battalion. Chaplain Loeffner, who holds the rank of captain, is the sixth chaplain to arrive at the camp and will work under Lieutenant Colonel Cecil Lang, Senior Chaplain. On April 16, 1942, The Kentucky Post and Times reported that Chaplain Loeffner was being promoted from captain to major. It goes on to report that Chaplain Loeffner was now the second-ranking chaplain in Camp Walters, which was the nation's largest infantry replacement training center, where he ministered to the spiritual needs of men in the 11th Infantry Training Regiment. In 1943, Captain Loeffner was sent overseas and stationed in Persia. The Springfield News reported in September of 1943 that he was promoted to the rank of lieutenant colonel. The U.S. military recognized the need for chaplains to sustain morale of troops as well as saving and repairing the spiritual damage of war. Recruitment of chaplains was a problem because they could not be drafted, and any recruitment fell to the licensing councils of the various religious denominations. This was also difficult because prior to the attack on Pearl Harbor, the religious community considered going to war in complete conflict with their conscience. Before December 7th, 1941, the Army had only 137 chaplains on active duty. The Navy had 105. After December 7th, Mindsets definitely changed, and many in the religious community stepped forward to sign up. By 1945, there were 2,796 chaplains in the European Theater of Operation, and various denominations were being represented. In order to be assigned as an army chaplain, you have to be male, citizen of the USA, between the ages of 23 and 34, Ordained and in good standing with a religious denomination or organization, a graduate of both a four-year college and a three-year theological seminary, and actively engaged in the ministry as a principal occupation. Army chaplains attended a training program for six weeks where they, they attended lectures and learned generally how to minister to men and women of all faith. This was necessary because in the army, there was one chaplain for every 1,000 military personnel. The chaplains' duties, well, they had to be exhausting, both emotionally and spiritually. Chaplains moved from one unit to another, praying for men and passing words of encouragement and spiritual guidance to leaders. They also assisted the medics in moving and tending to the wounded and spent hours listening to the last words of dying men and administering last rites, which was where most of the casualties of chaplains were sustained, giving last rites on the front lines. They also provided religious services, praying with the men, hearing confessions performing baptisms, and took on additional responsibilities of identifying and burying the dead. They also took on the role of writing home to the families of wounded soldiers as well as those that were killed. Even though chaplains traveled with units and were in combat areas, they were primarily unarmed, but they could bear arms if necessary for protection. They had papers and identification that showed their status as non-combatants and therefore were respected and protected under all circumstances. They could not be detained by the enemy unless it was to minister to the prisoners of war. Chaplain Laughlin was stationed in the Persian Gulf area, specifically Iran. At the start of World War Two. Iran's leader, Reza Shah, declared Iran neutral because he was fearful of both the Soviet and British ambitions in his country, and was more fearful of Germany's commitment to its race based expansion and ideology. The Allies were aware that they needed routes through Iran to get supplies into Russia by way of the Trans Iranian Railroad, and also needed the British controlled oil fields. In September of 1941, British envoy R.S. Bullard met with Iran's prime minister to demand the removal of Reza Shah in favor of his son, Muhammad, who was known to be pro-British. Later that month, Reza Shah abdicated and was sent to South Africa to live in exile. In January of 1942, Iran signed a treaty with the Soviet Union and Great Britain. The agreement stated that the Allies would recognize Iran's territorial integrity, sovereignty, and political independence. They also pledged that they would withdraw from Iranian territory within six months of the end of the war. By spring of 1942, Iran cut off all relations with the Axis countries and had expelled all of their nationals residing in Iran. On September 9, 1943, Iran declared war on Germany. On November 28, 1943, the leaders of the Big Three, Churchill, Roosevelt, and Stalin, met in Tehran to discuss military strategy against Germany and Japan, as well as Persia post-World War II and what it would look like. The main result of Allied control in Iran was the ability to keep supplies and weapons moving to the Soviets. The mission to keep the supply chain moving fell to the British, the Soviets, and the Americans. Until the summer of 1944, the leadership of this mission was a mix of three countries, which created a lot of confusion, and the amount of supplies getting through was just not sufficient. In July of 1944, the Americans took over all of the operations— and began putting through 282,000 long tons of supplies through the Persian Corridor. Many allied civilian workers, such as stevedores and railway engineers, were also employed on the corridor. Many skilled engineers, accountants, and other professionals who volunteered or were drafted into the armed services were made warrant officers to help overseas with the complex supply operation. In addition to providing logistical support to the Iranians, the Allies offered other services as well. The Americans in particular were viewed as more neutral because unlike the British and the Soviets, they had no colonial past in the country. An interesting political note, the Americans also contributed to the special expertise to the new Iranian government. Colonel Norman Schwarzkopf, Sr., who at the outbreak of the war was serving as superintendent of the New Jersey State Police, was, in August 1942, put in charge of training the Iranian Imperial Grand Army. His son Norman Schwarzkopf, Jr., would command coalition forces 50 years later during the Persian Gulf War against this army. An American soldier named Kenneth Seitz of Indianapolis, Indiana, was serving in the P- Persian Corridor. I cannot find too much about him, but we know that on October 1st, of 1944, he attended services with Chaplain Laughlin. On October 5th, the chaplain took a moment to write home to Kenneth's wife, Jean. To Mrs. Kenneth Sites on Sunday, October 1st, world communion sunday was observed in appropriate services throughout the persian gulf command the chapels were beautifully decorated with flowers and altar appointments protestant communion was administered and the attendance was very good and the reverent spirit of the occasion was most beneficial to all the home church was very much in the mind of all present and a spiritual handclasp between all Christians around the world was encouraging and strengthening. The leaven of Christianity is definitely alive and working throughout the world despite the ravages of war. The real hope for the future is wrapped in Christians keeping the faith. I am very happy to report that Kenneth Seitz was present at the services in Tehran Sunday, October 1st, and seemed in very good health. The chapels mean more to each of us the longer we're away from home, and the privilege of worship and receiving the Lord's Supper sustain us in spite of our difficulties. To you, I wish God's richest blessings, and more, I pray, that world peace will soon be established. And when it is, may your soldiers soon be able to greet you in person, and march side-by-side with you in the way of the Prince of the Peace. Sincerely yours, John H. Laughlin, Chief Chaplain, Lieutenant Colonel. What a beautiful letter, and I am sure a comfort, to Mrs. Seitz. Chaplain Laughlin would eventually be promoted to full colonel while in the Persian Gulf, and after the war he returned home to his family and became the pastor of the Resurrection Church in Detroit, Michigan, Sadly, in April of 1954, his wife, Georgia Louise, passed away. Pastor Laughlin would continue to lead the congregation at the Resurrection Church until he retired in 1973. In 1978, he married Ada Churchill and moved to Bonita Springs, Florida. And even in retirement, Pastor Laughlin was never far from ministry, and he served as an interim pastor at Christus Victor Lutheran Church of Bonita Springs, Florida, for eight months. Pastor John Howard Laughlin passed away February 18, 1991, at the age of 86, in Bonita Springs, Florida. The Springfield News of Springfield, Ohio, reported his obituary. Reverend John Howard lofner 86, of Hickory Boulevard, Bonita Springs, Florida, died Monday, February 18, 1991, in his residence after a lengthy illness. Reverend lofner had been a resident of Bonita Springs since 1979, moving there from Detroit, Michigan. He was a 1928 graduate of Hama Divinity School in Springfield, Ohio, and served as a chaplain with the rank of colonel in the U.S. Army during World War II, stationed in the Persian Gulf area. He was a pastor of Resurrection Church of Detroit, Michigan, from 1946 until he retired in 1973. He is buried in Ferncliff Cemetery in Bonita Springs. The family has asked. Hope Hospice of Lee County in Fort Myers, Florida to take any donations in Reverend Laughlin's name. Before researching this podcast, the only reference I had to chaplains in the military was Father Francis Mulcahy, the character in MASH, which was set in Korea. However, now I have a new appreciation for what these men did in World War II and will continue to educate myself. There are many accounts of her- heroic actions of chaplains, and I thought I'd share two. Father Conway received the Navy Cross for his actions following the July 30, 1945 sinking of the USS Indianapolis, on which he served as a Catholic chaplain. A Japanese submarine torpedoed the Portland-class heavy cruiser shortly after midnight in the Philippine Sea, tossing hundreds who survived the initial explosion overboard. For three days, in shark-infested waters, without food, drink, or shade, Father Conway, age 37, heroically swam back and forth between groups of survivors, offering comfort, prayers, baptism, last rites and encouragement to keep the faith and not lose hope of eventual rescue. Help did finally come days later, but by then, the priest was lost. According to detailed accounts, at least 67 sailors among those rescued survived thanks to Chaplain Conway's constant support, assistance, encouragement, and grace under brutal circumstances. In another instance, on February 3, 1943, a U.S. Army transport, the Dorchester, was making its way in a convoy from the United States to an Army command base in southern Greenland. She was carrying more than 900 men, but the Dorchester never delivered them to their destination. She was struck by a torpedo fired from a German U-boat and sank within 20 minutes. On board the Dorchester were four chaplains, Methodist minister, the Reverend George L. Fox, Rabbi Alexander D. Good, Catholic priest, the Reverend John P. Washington, and the Reverend Clark V. Poling, a Reformed Church in America minister. As panic set in among the soldiers aboard the sinking Dorchester, the chaplains guided men in darkened ship corridors to safety, then gave up their own life vests to those who had none. After helping as many men as possible into lifeboats, the four men were seen linking arms, singing, and praying. They went down with the ship and were among 700 who were lost. In December 2010, Robert Barr Smith wrote in a paper that was published, They carried no weapons, only holy books and rudimentary vestments, a crucifix, or a Star of David, and sometimes a little communion kit. But they were towering figures on the battlefield, symbols of something eternally good in a pitiless world of cruelty, horror, and death. In cataclysmic world wars, American and British military chaplains served everywhere the armies and navies went bringing peace where there was no peace and security where there was no security. Thank you for joining me to hear about Pastor John Howard Laughlin, his letter, and learning more about the role of chaplains in World War II. All details in this podcast were discovered by research done by me using military genealogy and newspaper search sites. If you know of the Laughlin family of Detroit, please contact me. I would love to send this letter home. Please support our military, both active and veteran status. No matter what role they play in the services, they sacrifice to protect our country and its ideals, whether in war or peacetime. Please visit me on Facebook or YouTube at Warren Family Letters Home. You can also contact me at warrenfamily at outlook.com. If you'd like to support my mission of returning history to families one letter at a time, please consider buying me a coffee. The link can be found in the description of the podcast and in comments on my Facebook. Until next week, this is Lauren Muse, and you've been listening to Warren Family Letters Home.